Well, I want to invite you to turn, if you have a bulletin, with you to um, the inside cover, or if you have your scriptures with you, open back up, if you would, to Luke chapter 15. If you are um, a young person, a child, and would like to join other people for a very special time of worship together, uh, you can join uh, your teachers and your worship leaders in the back of the sanctuary right now. We will look forward to seeing you in just a few moments. You know, in, um, in Matthew's version of the parable that we're studying today, um, he, Jesus told the same stories many times because he they didn't have internet, they didn't have telephones, they didn't have TV. Everywhere he went, he would tell stories. And when he was telling this story, and, and Matthew recorded it, he um, said it not now in the context of those who are lost physically, emotionally, or spiritually, but he said it in the context of the least, and he was thinking about children. He was talking about children. And so in a very real sense, while we might be thinking of them in one dimension today through Luke chapter 15, our children are very precious to Jesus. God bless them richly, would you, as they open your word, reveal yourself to our children. And then, God, we just look forward to that day when they are able to know you as, as we have been worshiping, to know you as Savior and Lord. We ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Well, our memory verse today is Luke 15, um, verse 7. I tell you, Jesus says, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Luke 15, 7. Will you say that with me? You have it in front of you? I tell you, there will be more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 righteous persons who need no repentance. Luke 15, 7. The very word of God. Thank you. Thank you, God. Well, uh, what a joy it is to... Um, to um, join you today to um, open God's word again and to hear these parables. I know you got a tremendous head start on me, uh, um, uh, but I enjoyed so much uh, joining you in worship and hearing um, Chad and Kristen open God's word. Do you remember? Uh, we began our, our series uh, very intentionally with a couple of um, parables that kind of laid the groundwork for all the parables that we will be studying. Do you remember the very first one, the house built on the rock, right? Uh, I don't want to oversimplify, but but um, but I think Chad's point in that parable was um, it's it's not just those who hear uh, that that Jesus um, cries out to. It's it's those who hear and obey. The person who builds. Their house on the rock is the person who not only hears God's word, but puts it into practice, right? And Chad challenged us to build our house, our houses on the rock, not on the shifting sand. And Kristen took us uh, uh, two weeks ago to the parable of the soils. Again, all of these are very familiar stories, right? I think I think that's what Jesus does. He takes life situations, familiar life situations, and infuses them with new meaning. And he takes a simple farming story and and and, and challenges us 
to, to think deeply about it. Do you remember? He, he asked us, what is the condition of your heart? God is the sower and the seed is the word of God. And Christian says so clearly, those things are constant, right? Uh, God is God and will always be God and his word will last forever. His word is there for us. Th- those are invariable, right? But But what is variable is our response to it. And you saw those four soils, right? The hardened heart, right? The, the one that, that does not receive that word. It just sits on the surface. And Jesus said very clearly, Satan just says, well, super, I'll come by and scoop that up. I'll, I'll take that away so it doesn't have a chance to take root. Then she, she took us to the shallow soil, the shallow heart, and, and, and challenged us to, to, um, to not just spring up with joy as that as that seed begins to germinate, but but to make sure that our that our hearts are are plowed up and ready to re- receive that seed, so that it can take root and become that tree that gives life to everything. And then and then the third parable, uh, she challenged us. Oh, how remember uh, how hurried are you? She said, uh, how. How busy is your life? There are so many things competing, competing for the word of God in your life. And she challenged you, focus on the one thing, focus on the word. Then we saw the joy of a, of a, of good soil, of a good heart that's, that's ready to receive God's word. It not only springs up with joy, but sends its roots down deep and, and, and bears fruit, right? You can see the train of thought going here. Bears fruit a hundred or sixty or thirty fold, right? Wow. Amazing that our lives could, could have ten thousand percent Interest, right? Could earn ten thousand percent. That's what a hundredfold is, right? I'd take that, wouldn't you? Yeah. Um, Jesus says that's that's a fruitful, fruitful heart. Chad picked up the story of fruitfulness again last last week and and, and invited us to think deeply about what a fruitful life looks like. And not only that, in, in the message on Sunday, then in your, in your Bible studies last week, you saw that, that, um, we have a God who is interested in your life bearing fruit so much that he lifts you up, so much that he's willing to risk your misunderstanding and prune you back so that you can be more fruitful. We have a God who invites you to abide. Remember that last week? Abide in him. I'm not used to this new mic, and it keeps falling off my ear. And so I'm going to figure out how to do this today. Um, I'm going to build this airplane in the air. Try and do that. Chad invited us to think very deeply about um, abiding in Jesus. You want to bear much fruit? Let his word abide in you. And you abide. You plug in to him. Well, today we have this privilege now of, of, of going now and not looking at our hearts, not looking at, again, the parable of the soils or what will make us more fruitful, but about, about seeing a glimpse of the very heart of God from, from Luke chapter 15. And it's a little bit as, as Jesus so often, uh, did, it's, it's a little bit 
crazy that that he speaks in extremes. In other words, he says right off the bat, if you see in the first two parables, the parable of of um, the lost sheep and the parable of the lost coin, he says an amazing truth. And if you're taking notes today, write this down. Your life, I'm going to say this strongly and try and back it up. Your life can cause God joy. Your life can cause God joy. Isn't that absolutely astounding? Now, some of you are going, um, uh, I'm sorry, Pastor Dave, God doesn't need my life, right? He doesn't need me to have joy. And you're absolutely right. Um, God exists forever in community, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. And the beauty of that relationship is, is joy personified. And we don't have time today, but we're talking way beyond the, the concept of just pleasure, right? The pleasure is good. It's important. Uh, we're talking way beyond the concept of just happiness, uh, a, a much deeper level, right? We're talking about the spiritual dimension of joy. And, and you're absolutely right. God doesn't need us to have joy, right? That's what makes it so much more astounding that he experiences joy. Oh, you say, well, wait a second. It said the angels in heaven experience joy or heaven experiences joy. Do you think that the angels are experiencing joy if God's not experiencing joy, right? In fact, um, because they're so jealous for the name of God, Oftentimes in scripture, they would use just the concept of heaven uh, uh, to speak of heaven rather than to use God's precious and holy name. So, yeah, I'm pushing this, but but I'm I'm challenging you with this truth that your life can cause God joy. Oh, again, yesterday when I got home, so we... um, yeah, we thought we were being so smart. We're going to add an extra day in there and make sure in case of travel problems, right? We're going to make sure that everything works out well. Uh, we we flew out of a small airport in Santa Barbara rather than going into L.A. and getting into that mess. And and um, and on the way there, we flew through Denver. On the way back, we flew through um, through Las Vegas. I'm so tempted to make a joke, but I'm not going to go there. Um, it is astounding to me that those one-armed bandits are everywhere in the airport, everywhere in the airport. But I did not, um, I did not pay for the trip by using the one-armed bandit. I did not do that. But um, as always happens, when we add an extra stop in our trip, um, the chances of a delay get really big, don't they? And and uh, and. And the airline industry is trying to recover, and it's tough. And our favorite airline has always treated us so well. We got delayed, and we're delayed, and we're looking, and we're going, oh, this is going to be a late night. And uh, and we finally got in uh, uh, Friday night about 10 o'clock to St. Louis. And um, uh, um, Truman's um, parents are so gracious. They had water for Karen and decaf coffee for me. The, the, the car was gassed up. They brought two cars so that we could leave from the airport and have some hope of getting home soon. And and um, and so we jumped in that thing. You know me, I've been sitting on a plane for, for 10 hours. I'm ready to do this. I punch the gas and go about a mile before I get stuck in traffic for another half hour of stop traffic. And we're going, oh my goodness. So it was it was close to two o'clock by the time we got in, we, we crawled into bed. 
but we got to get up the next morning. And in, in our absence, uh, Chelsea and Jordan and Naomi had come. And, and our house was decorated for Naomi's birthday. And, and we slept in till eight o'clock the next morning and, and came down the stairs and, and he was like, and, and Naomi came and her whole face lit up when she saw us, right? Now, was what I experienced right then, was that pleasure? Was it happiness? Was a joy, right? Um, oh my goodness. How do you think God feels when, when you pitter-patter up to Him, when you gaze on His face? Is it such a difficult concept to think that your life might cause, cause God joy? Wait a second, you said, don't kids mess up? Oh yeah. Oh yeah, right? Does God care? Oh no. He's already made a provision for their, for their, for their waking up. I'm sorry, I'm laughing at Mark back there because I just can't stay still when I talk and I'm, I'm working them out back there. Little cameras are going, ing, ing, ing. Oh, it's not, it's not hard. You're God's precious child, right? You're God's precious child. His greatest desire is to be near you, right? Now we know that sin separates us from God. Uh, and, and, but that doesn't mean that God gets any less joy, right? When, when a sinner, are you starting to see it? A sinner repents. And to, to help illustrate that, Jesus tells two stories that would be very familiar to them. And that is familiar to us, but, but I think, um, over the years we've gotten accustomed to them. One is uh, the story of a shepherd who has a hundred sheep. And he says, which of you, if one of those sheep goes missing, um, would not leave the 99 in the field and go after that? You know, he, he's, he's making a point. He's speaking parabolically because because he wants them to understand you would do that in a heartbeat you would leave the 99 who are staying where they're supposed to be and you would go after you would go after the one wouldn't you and of course everybody's heads were going yeah yeah i would do how much more how much more does god go after the one let me press pause for a second and say that um, again, our great desire is to invite you to enter the story. And, and one way to enter that is to ask yourself, where am I in the story? In, in our first parable, the parable of building your house on the rock, is your house on the rock or is it on the sand? You know, where are you in the story is the, is the pregnant question at the, at the end of the parable. Uh, the second, the second study that we had together, where, where are you in the story of the soils? Are, are, is your heart hard? Is, is is your heart shallow or is there so many competing weeds in your life that that the life is being sucked out of you you know where are you in the story in in the parable of the vineyard again chad mentioned that was on the way to the garden of gethsemane that he shared that that metaphor i am the vine you are the branch are you, are you the, 
the branch that has been knocked off the trellis and is lying in the mud. No hope of fruitfulness of, uh, on your own. Hear the good news. He lifts you up. He washes you off. Yeah, he attaches you. He puts some structure in your life. But that structure is so that you can be fruitful. Are you, are you in that place where, where you're, uh, you're feeling pruned, where God has kind of intervened and cut off some things that you thought were important and, and taken away some things that, that, that you thought were a part of, of who you are, your identity? Um, has he pruned you? Well, Chad shared with us that, yeah, he does that so that you might be more fruitful. And then that, that beautiful invitation, the secret. Thank you so much, Chad. The secret to abundant fruitfulness. Stay plugged into the vine, right? Where are you in the story? Where are you in today's story? I think I, there's a series on called The Chosen. Have you, any of you had a chance to see any of that? Um, don't get lost in, in the artistic um, choices that they make. Um, um, I think they do an amazing job of inviting us into the story, right? And I'm so grateful for just a happy Jesus, right? Not, not an anorexic, judgmental Jesus, you know, but a, a happy, normal Jesus in, in that story. But what I love about that is... is he invites you through stories into God's purpose for your life. And, and, and in this parable, imagine just for a second, a, a happy Jesus saying, don't you understand that, that, yeah, um, you may say, I have no need of repentance. In the chosen, they use a lot of humor. In the chosen, they use a little bit of sarcasm. That was a little tough first couple of times. Jesus made a sarcastic comment. Justified. But, but maybe just maybe there's a little bit of sarcasm here. This is Dave, not not necessarily the Holy Spirit. You discern, but but maybe he's saying. There's not really anyone who doesn't need repentance, right? Who need no repentance, right? Oh, beloved, we all need repentance, right? We all need to turn from our own desires back to God's desires for us. So in the first parable, he, he says, here's the great news. Yeah, um, if there's someone out there who says, I need God to find me, Know this, God is out searching for you. He's seeking you. The Son of Man came to seek and save the lost. And if you're able to say, I am lost and I do need you, then, then I've got amazingly good news for you. God is seeking you. I love it that and Jesus includes another story, I think, to say a similar thing. He says there was a woman who had ten coins and she lost one of them. She swept the house, right? She swept the house till she found that lost coin. I was doing a little Googling. Have you ever seen, the, um, even to this day, in Slavic countries and in, um, 
and in and in Middle Eastern countries, um, people, women, sometimes wear their wealth on their head. Um, they take the coins and they attach them to their headdress. And and uh, if you Google it, you'll find several examples uh, where where their their whole thing is lined with coins. Now you, you can understand that are they flaunting their wealth? Well, some are, I'm sure. Um, but but I learned a lesson, Kathy. You might remember way back in in Mexico. Remember all those half built uh, houses we saw in Tijuana? You see you see a half built concrete block house, and you say why? Is this a parable where they built a house and didn't calculate? No, they concreted it in so that they no one would steal the other blocks, right? And every block that they got, they would put into the house. And I think that's probably where we are here with this woman. Uh, these women, they, they would put it on their headdress, and that's the way that they kept their wealth. Well, you can imagine if if one of those coins, I think he used the word drachma in the original language, which was the equivalent of a Hebrew denarii or one day's wage. If you lost one day's wage, now in, in my day, here, oh, I always wanted to do this. When I was a kid, that was about a dollar sixty-five, right? But now, but now at, at $15 an hour for an eight-hour shift, that's $120. Did I do that right? And uh, so it's a significant amount of money. She lost a significant amount of money. And she um, searched for the house. She, and when she found it, she did what the shepherd did that found his lost sheep. She rejoiced. Now keep in mind, who's the one who's seeking, right? God is the one who's seeking. Um, she rejoiced. He, the shepherd, rejoiced when they found that which was lost. I tell you, there's more joy in heaven over one sinner who repents than over 99 who need no repentance. Right? But, but the woman, not only, the shepherd, not only rejoiced themselves, but they called everybody together. I remember... Sharing with you seven years ago this passage, and and I laughed because it struck me that that they probably spent more money on the party um, to celebrate the finding of the sheep and the party to celebrate the finding of the coin than the sheep or the coin were worth. Um, but it didn't matter. It's not about worth. It's about joy. It's about joy. Next week you're going to have a chance to go much deeper into this and but i want i wanted you to see these two stories i want you to understand the heart of god the heart of god gets joy when his ch- children repent when they turn to him the heart of god gets joy you can cause joy in heaven and 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 let me make no mistake how do you cause joy you turn, turn from your own will, from your own way. And you turn back to God. I love Psalm 23. I know it's cliche sometimes to say, well, I, Psalm 23 is so overused. Hmm, I don't know. 
don't know if we're going to overuse the word of God, right? The Lord is my shepherd. And because he's my shepherd, I have everything that I need. Note the direction here. He makes me lie down in green pastures, right? Remember Kristen's third kind of soil, the weedy soil? Be still and know that I am God. He makes me lie down in, in green pastures. He leads me. See the, see the directiveness, the causative action aspect? He leads me beside still waters. Now here's where, where we often derail right here. He restores my soul. Oh, I love that language. My soul hungers for restoration. The problem is that it loses a little bit of the causative aspect of that. And I want you to know that that word restores. Did you guys discover this? I know a lot of you spent about eight weeks in Psalm 23 recently. Um, uh, the, the word, the Hebrew word right there for restore is the word shub in Hebrew, which is translated into English. Are you ready for this? Repent. Wait a second. He repents my soul. Don't lose the causative aspect. He causes my soul to repent. Right. He leads me to green pastures. He leads me beside still waters. He causes my soul to repent. He is the one who allows me to turn even to him. I know you can't picture her face, but I can. I can picture Naomi's face looking up the stairs with joy, right? Because she found Papa and Gigi, right? Your Heavenly Father is longing for that day when you turn your face to Him. You who know your loss, maybe, and especially the 99 of us who don't know we're lost, how much joy he gets when we turn to him. So you can cause God joy, and you cause God joy when when you repent, when you turn from your ways and return to his ways. We've got powerful lessons over the past three weeks on how to do that. But but I want to add one more dimension here that's that's I'm not quite as obvious. You cause God joy when you do what God would do when he is, was here in the flesh, right? When you say to the Zacchaeuses of the world, come down from that tree because I'm coming to your house tonight for, for dinner, right? When, when you go to the lost and the least and the last, right? And, and you sit in fellowship with them. When you sup with them, let me say it really clearly, heaven rejoices when you seek the last and the least and the loss. How do I do that? Remember the lesson of Psalm 23. As you seek God, as your heart 
It's drawn to his heart. Your heart will be transformed into his. So, so the first step, as Kristen challenged us, the first step is to pray. God, give me a heart like your heart. Give me eyes, God, to see. Do you remember her challenge for you to prayer walk? Walk your workplace. Walk your neighborhood. When, when you're in those big family gatherings, thanks so much for your prayers. I mean, goodness. My three siblings are so different from me and so different from my parents, right? Um, when you're together, say, God, what do you see? Pray. Not allowed to be a nudge and, and, and force prayer, use prayer as a weapon, but silently pray, God, what do you see when you look around me? God, I love this, this prayer from the prayer walking discipline. God, what do you want to do? What do you want to do? Maybe thirdly, God, how can I join you in what you want to do? If you're worshiping with us online, we are in a, a new location for us. Um, it's not new now. It's been a, over a year. That's hard to believe. But um, but as we fully embrace worship again, we're also fully embracing ministry. And we chose to move here. Why? Because there's a neighborhood around here that needs Jesus. And, and knowing that we can cause God joy, knowing that we, uh, that we are the ones in need primarily of repentance, we don't go out in judgment and say, you need this. No, we need this together. We have repented. But knowing those two things, then then we can go out to this neighborhood. We can we can prayer walk this city and and join Jesus in seeking and saving the lost. So where are you in this story today? Many of us are are have been recognized, we've been convicted by the Holy Spirit and are recognizing that there are some ways that our lives are out of alignment. Um, with um, the word of God, then it's okay, no judgment or condemnation, just bring them back into alignment. Turn, turn, and bring them back into alignment with him. Come on up, worship team. Um, many of us, many of us um, have kind of been saying, you know, me and God, we're like this. We're okay, right? I, I, I'm okay with God. Um, maybe today the Holy Spirit has prompted you and said, if truly there are none righteous, maybe we have been camping out and living on our own righteousness rather than on Jesus. But for all of us, I think, in whatever venue God has called you to make your own, um, there's an invitation today to join Jesus in going to the last, in going to the least, in going to the lost and and saying as one beggar says to another you know I'm no better than you but I found a source of life would you would you meet my Jesus would you meet my Jesus pray with me would you God thank you so much for your word thank you that you um, know us and know that sometimes we need a story to help us understand just as this shepherd and this woman 
desperate to find that which was lost, sought and sought until they found and then celebrated when they did. God, I pray that we would seek those who are lost, those who are least, those who are last, until God, until they can find life in Jesus Christ as well. In the meantime, God, would you open our hearts, would you soften our hearts to hear your word, to put it into practice, God, and then to respond to the to the almost reckless love of God, which is seeking, which is crying out for all men and women to come back to you. 